The earth turns. But we don't feel it move. And one night you look up. One spark. And the sky is on fire. The past is the torch that lights our way. Where our fathers have shown us the path, we shall follow. Our faith is the weapon most feared by our enemies. For thereby shall we lift our people up against those who would destroy us. to the main event open up with that scene from gangs of new york our faith is the is what scares our our enemy ah oh, you know you know that line you know that line you know what uh the more we see the more we realize this is a anti-christian revolution this is the this has gone beyond common sense beyond sanity what's going on in this country and what we're seeing a hundred days from from our election of an of a a re-election of a president or a re-election of a senile president or a dementia president, it's 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 really this election is going to be deciding whether America goes forward or America s- swirls down the toilet. And uh, and quite frankly, I'm a little scared for our, for my kids and grandkids um, as to what kind of country they're going to have have to live in. And, uh, and I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep my voice loud and I hope you guys repeat what you hear and help spread the word. Because if all we do is talk, talk amongst ourselves, all we do is talk amongst ourselves and we need to change, we need to change minds. I use that, uh, that song from U2 Sunday, bloody Sunday. I don't know if uh, Bono would appreciate us using his song as a conservative kind of a show. Um, I think, I think Bono starts out as a, as a revolutionary and a kind of a Democrat. And I think he's grown up since then. Um, he probably doesn't admit it to his audiences, but uh, I, I referenced the, the, the speech he made where he, where he said, I think it was at Georgetown University, where he said, hey, America is an idea and touts how, what a great idea it was and how great this country is because of that idea. 
which is free enterprise, which is free market, which is justice and liberty and and all that all that our country stands for. And uh, I'm going to talk more about the amazing, amazing insanity that we're watching in America. Or well, maybe some of you aren't. And there's a lot of people that aren't because they're more concerned with baseball opened opened up this week or basketball's opening or some other dumb thing that's going on and uh, and they're not paying attention to what's important. And maybe they're happier because of that. And maybe that's okay, but we can't, we just, you know, ignorance, ignorance is bliss, but it just does, it's just ignorance. But uh, before I go on, before I go on to everything that's going on, uh, let me introduce my, myself. My name is Ed Hoffman from Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and believe me, there are fantastic opportunities and there are a ton of you uh, seeking them as rates are, are going down and down and down. It's a great time to refinance. It's a great time to buy. It's, uh, it's a great time to call in and talk to me at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. Um, so, but it's a lot of you are getting voicemails. Leave a voicemail message. Are we too busy to answer the phone? Yes. Are we too busy to return the calls? No, we will, we will return your calls. And uh, believe me, this is the industry in general. And uh, we've got time to make things happen. Uh, whether you're looking to buy or refinance or do a reverse mortgage, reverse mortgages are, uh, they're affected by the rate in that the lower the rate is, the more money you get out. And these are uh, the saviors of a many a senior that are, uh, are in bad places or don't wanna be in bad places. Um, call me 855-640-2020 or go on to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, Follow the, fill in all the stuff that you want me to know and tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either uh, myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman will help you find the missing people. Oh, and also Lance Keisha, one of our new, our new teammates uh, who you might, some of you may be talking to. We're trying to uh, get to all of you as fast as we can. And uh, trust me, trust me. If you can't, if if you have to wait to get to me, don't settle for getting to just somebody on the internet because they won't always always lead you to the best decision. Um, if there's any part of the show you want repeated, edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this week's show as well as several past shows. You can also download the uh, podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free, have it automatically download to your device. Your phone, your computer, your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, anything you listen to podcasts on. Uh, follow the follow the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman. Um, and if you want to send in comments to your show, Ed at edhoffman.net. I get to see all those, all those emails. Um, so believe me, if you want to get message to me, you can. Um, so let's talk about what's going on. Um, bizarre, bizarre Biden. Let's talk about, uh, remember last week on when President Trump said this about Joe Biden in the White House Rose Garden? He's really bizarre. Yeah, I think the president was on to something because Biden's campaign continues to look more bizarre, whether he's in the basement or not. This week, with Biden continuing to latch onto Obama legacy, the campaign released a strange video of Biden and Obama walking into an elevator, wearing masks, then sitting across from each other for a 15-minute socially distanced conversation. The highlight of this odd interaction, the part where both Obama and Biden 
claim they never blamed anyone else for their failures. Can you imagine standing up when you're a president saying, it's not my responsibility? I take no responsibility. It's not, I mean, I mean, literally. That, literally. Those words didn't come out of our mouths no, while we were no. in office. I don't understand his inability to get a sense of what people are going through. He just can't, he can't relate. Well, number one, I hear the, the difference in Obama's voice and Biden's voice and how, how alive does Biden not sound? He sounds like he's halfway in the grave. Number two, they don't blame people for their failures. Didn't we hear them talk about blaming Bush for everything that was going on? While the, while the job loss was so bad from the mortgage meltdown in, 2000, in 2008 that continued into 2009, 2010, when Obama was in office, it couldn't go anywhere but up. And then they tried to take credit for all the job gains for basically being so low that they couldn't go anywhere but up. And they tried to try to take credit for for the economy today, and they tried to blame all the economy on Bush. I don't know where they get where they never took they never they never blamed on anybody else. And because Biden has no ability to inspire anyone on his own, because he's halfway dead, Obama had to jump in with this lofty rhetoric he's famous for, complete with soft music background. Policy is important. Laws are important. Budgets are important. But you know what's important also is, is what kind of values are you communicating? Bingo. You are going to be able to reassemble the kind of government that cares about people and brings people together. And for all the specific policies that we're going to need, more than anything, it's just that basic decency and an understanding about what's best in America that I think people are going to be hungry for. Yeah, did you hear Biden with that dynamic bingo? That one word, bingo. You know what, what you know what you know what's important? Mr. Obama, Mr. Biden, I'm not even gonna call you president and vice president. You know what's really important? Cause and effect. What's important now is to understand what needs to happen. What people need, people need to feel secure. People need to feel emotionally secure, which means keep calm. They need to feel uh, financially secure, which means keep the economy going. They need to feel, they need to be without fear, which means don't scare them. Don't scare them unnecessarily just so you can make the, make the, the president look bad so you can try and win an unwinnable, unwinnable war based on the truth. And then you, so you figure out what people need and then you reverse engineer it. You reverse engineer it. Hey, people need to have jobs. People need to be emotionally, emotionally stable. How do we, how do we keep from getting them emotionally instable? Let's not scare them. The coronavirus, you know, I talked to uh, one of my tax people uh, who has a client in Wuhan, Wuhan, China. She's a surgeon. A year ago, she came in here to do her taxes, and she said, "She said, hey, this thing's going to get a lot worse than you guys can imagine. People are dying left and right in China, and China is lying about it. They're covering it up. This year, she was in his office a couple of weeks ago, and she said, the coronavirus, COVID-19, is doing exactly what viruses do. They metastasize. They go out. They get... They start out more lethal and more contagious, and they get less and less contagious, and they get less and less lethal. 
And the longer that America stays cooped up in their houses and shut down, the longer it takes for it to do what it does and it goes away. That's why we never got a vaccine for SARS. We never got a vaccine for swine flu. And guess what? It went away. I hear people saying we're not going to get we're going to have a we're going to have a vaccine on the first of the year. Yeah, we're going to have a vaccine November 4th is what it's going to be. And we're going to have and the vaccine's going to be, OK, I guess you can go back to work now. The election's over. This thing is a hoax. This thing is hoax. Stop scaring people. You know what else we need? We need financial financial security, which means people need to have jobs, which means how does the from the government standpoint, what do we need to do for government to, for people to have jobs? Do we give them jobs? No, the government doesn't create jobs. The free market creates jobs. So what do we got to do? Well, we got to put an environment where the where the free market creates jobs, encourage corporations and job creators to create more jobs. How do you do that? You allow them to make money. It's not that difficult. It's, you don't need a finance degree for this. Let them make money. If you say, hey, if, if I expand, do I get to keep, keep the money I make more? Uh, yes. Okay. We're going to expand. We're going to create more products. We're going to create more jobs. We're going to create more avenues to deliver those products to the, to the consumer. We're going we're gonna to create this company that's going to create more jobs, which creates more opportunities for people that aren't working to, to work, people that are working to get promoted, for more people to, to go into higher, higher levels and make more money. How do we do that? We reduce regulations and we reduce taxes. We take the noose off their neck to use a Black Lives Matter thing, and, and we reduce, we, we make it easier for the system to work. That's what's important. That's what Trump understands. That's what Biden doesn't understand. That's what Obama never understood because he never even ran a lemonade stand. So here's another bizarre moment from Vice President Decency this week. He did another one of those live streams with some no-name social justice types he seems to do every week now. But this one made news because he called Donald Trump the first racist president. We have racists, and they've existed, and they've tried to get elected. What President Trump has done in going, his, his spreading of racism, the way he deals with, with, yes. with people based on the color of their skin, their national origin, where they're from, is absolutely sickening. No sitting president has ever done this. Yeah, what, what did he do specifically? How has he dealt with people based on the color of their skin or their national origin? He created jobs for uh, people of, of all races and nationality. He created, created opportunities in, in, uh, in areas that didn't have opportunities. He lowered the unemployment rate. He enabled people to, to pursue happiness. He created an environment where the free market is giving people opportunity to pursue their own happiness. The government can't make you happy. They have no way of making you rich. They have no way of making you. It, that is your job. And for those of you that are, that are already set, you need to speak that to your kids. We need to spread this word. The pursuit of happiness. That means you get a job. You work for it. You provide your own happiness. And that's what, and that's what Trump has done. You know what? Katrina Pearson, a senior advisor at the, uh, at the Trump campaign and an African-American replied to, with this. This is an insult to the intelligence of black voters and, really, and, it is, and is really rich coming from a guy who proudly befriended segregationists, touted, touted in a, an award from George Wallace, honored a former exalted cyclops of the Ku Klux Klan, worried his kids would grow up in a racial jungle 
marveled that Barack Obama was articulate and clean, bragged about being from a slave state and repeatedly used the N-word. No one should take lectures on racial justice from Joe Biden. So let's cut this, uh, cut this aside a little bit. He's really rich coming from a guy who befriended segregationists, Strom Thurmond, touted an award from George Wallace. Remember George Wallace? He was the governor of Alabama. Things were segregated back then, and black kids and white kids couldn't go to school together, and he wanted to keep it that way. Remember the scene from Forrest Gump when he's going to school, and there's, a, there's George Wallace talking in the, on, the, on the campus of the college, and uh, then you hear, hear out, bang, bang, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, George Wallace is assassinated. You might remember some of the history there. He honored a exalted Cyclops of the Ku Klux Klan. That would be Robert Byrd, who uh, Barack Obama spoke. What a great person he was, did his eulogy at his funeral. But he was a, he was a Klansman, uh, marveled, marveled that Barack Obama was art, articulate and clean. Joe Biden is not the, not the warrior for, ra for, uh, for racial justice. Remember in 1977, he was, he was arguing against busing black kids into white neighborhoods. And he said, and I quote, unless we do something about this, my children are going to grow up in a jungle, the jungle of uh, the jungle being a racial jungle with tensions built so high that it's going to explode at some point. We have got to move on. We have got to make some move on this. Remember uh, the debates with Kamala Harris when she called him out for this and how she was one of those kids being bust and look how far she came and he was against it. It's going to be a total joke if he puts Kamala Harris as his running mate. So let's go on. Uh, it's another week of rioting in the Pacific Northwest and another week of deadly shootings in Chicago. And yet Democrat mayors are in, in charge, are, are more concerned about stopping the Trump administration from intervening than they are about stopping the violence. As you probably know, the Department of Homeland Security has deployed agents to some of these cities in an attempt to stop the riots and protect federal property. The agents are not anonymous or secret police as liberals would have you believe. Uh, but the the letter, but a letter signed by six Democrat mayors was sent to Attorney General Bill Barr and Acting Department of Homeland Security Chad Wolf on Tuesday to express deep concern and objection to agents being present. The letter was signed by the mayors of Atlanta, Chicago, Kansas City, Portland, Seattle, and Washington D.C. It reads in part: "Deployment of federal forces in the streets of our communities has not been requested. It is unacceptable and chilling that this administration has formed." and deployed the U.S. Department of Homeland Security to conduct crowd control on the city streets and detain individuals. Crowd control? If you've been watching the rioting and destruction and attempts to burn down a federal building in Portland, then you know the idea that these agents are for crowd control is more than laughable. And yet Oregon Governor Kate Brown, a Democrat, of course, had the nerve to say this about the Department of Homeland Security. When I spoke with the director of the Department of Homeland Security last week, I told him to go home and to take his federal troops with him. Um, this is a democracy, not a dictatorship. Um, we cannot have secret police abducting people into and putting them in unmarked vehicles. Um, I cannot believe I have to say that to the President of the United States. I know that Oregonians are outraged. Americans should be appalled. I don't think Oregonians are outraged. Americans are appalled that you guys forgot what the government is supposed to do. Enforce the laws and protect the country from, from foreign enemies. That's all you're supposed to do. Keep the, keep the peace and protect us. If any of you have, have left your house, no matter where you live, you have to have noticed that things are not the same as they were a few months ago. 
Here's in response in response to the governor of Oregon. Here's Department of Homeland Security Chad Chad Wolf on what's been going on in Portland night after night for almost two months. What is happening in Portland is different than uh, what is occurring in Chicago, Seattle, or anywhere else. Portland is the only city in the country right now that a, a federal court has been targeted so, 54 nights in a row. 54 nights in a row, they have tried to burn the courthouse down. We have the authority to make arrest on individuals that are targeting that courthouse, uh, committing criminal acts against that courthouse, and our law enforcement officers. The law is very clear about this. We do not need an invitation. Uh, from the governor or the mayor to do that. that. The federal agencies and law enforcement officers from the department are left on their own night after night from, new, from midnight till 5 a.m. every night. We have upwards to a 500 to 1,000 violent anarchists that are targeting that federal building, endangering the lives of my law enforcement officers. Uh, and at this point, we have no support from the, the local leadership there. Uh, and we're not, we're not taking it any longer. Maybe that's the part we missed in Benghazi. We were supposed to wait till the Syrian government uh, invited the, the the military to come in and help our our guys trying to protect the American uh, embassy. So how how's this for irony? When, I so how's this for irony? Wednesday night, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler attempted to show solidarity by joining rioters who heckled him, chanted for him to resign, and eventually sprayed him with tear gas. It was an extraordinary night in Portland as the mayor of a major U.S. city joined a protest that was declared a riot, got tear gassed, was insulted and shouted down by the very people he joined to fight the federal government. The crowd heckled him, called him a Nazi. Some were spitting at him. He was hit in the head with a thrown bottle. And while he spoke, a list of demands was projected onto the building behind him. Among them, Wheeler must resign. Later, Wheeler was hit with tear gas as hundreds of projectiles were fired at the federal courthouse including Molotov cocktails and fireworks. Some vandals also used bolt cutters to breach the new fence that was put up around the courthouse. After the second round of tear gas, Wheeler security officers took him away to a city building nearby. Protesters set fires and opened a fire hydrant, but Wheeler told a reporter on scene that he saw nothing to provoke the federal response. Yeah, when you're too much of a wuss to stand up for what you know is right, then you try to join the enemy to get somebody to like you. And, uh, and tear gas. How do these protesters get tear gas? Tear gas is illegal. Who's funding this stuff? Then there's Chicago, which once again was plagued by deadly black-on-black crime this week. On Monday, there was a drive-by shooting outside a funeral home in which 15 people were shot in broad daylight. Tuesday, 23 people shot and four killed. Wednesday, 10 people were shot and three killed. But what's most important to, to Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot? Keeping federal agents out of her city. We are not going to agree to or accept anything like what's happening on the streets of Portland, Oregon. We will not hesitate to go into court to get a temporary restraining order and stop uh, federal agents from acting like the police and denying our residents of their constitutional rights. We're just not having that in Chicago. Yeah, we're not having it in Chicago. But when the residents of Chicago were asked about federal troops coming in, guess what they said? So President Trump is uh, sending federal troops to various cities around the country. If you look over there, you'll see some what look to be some uh, some people in black. I, 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 I think he needs, we need that. Yes, yes I he needs that. Thumbs up. Because I give it a thumbs up because of the violence that's continuing day in and day out, weekend, little children. And it's just unnatural that all this violence like we're literally in a war zone. Say hallelujah. 
Finally, the the residents speak. We we don't we're tired of the violence. We don't want to live in this in this war zone that the Democrats want to push. They want to push and keep uh, uh, the Trump from sending in the federal troops because you won't protect the citizens that are also citizens of the United States, not just your city. All this violence is supposedly in the name of Black Lives Matter. And when we come back, we're going to talk to someone who's actively fighting the the movement on the front lines. Not all Black Americans support Black Lives Matter. And my guest in the second half is one of them. Stay tuned for five minutes of news, weather, and traffic. And don't go away. Don't miss the best interview I've done on my show in the last 13 years. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk about real estate and financing very often on the show, but I probably should. But if you're interested in getting, if you're interested in finding out what those great opportunities are with low interest rates, refinancing, buying, reverse mortgages, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the summit funding link, put in how much information you want me to have, tell me how much information you want back. So as promised, I have a special guest on today. Bevelyn Beatty is a 29-year-old Christian activist and co-founder of At The Well Ministries, along with her best friend, Ed May Siobhan. Bevelyn and Ed May endeavor to empower people, make disciples, and bring the reality of who Jesus is in the darkest places. And if, you, and if you see her on Facebook, she goes to where things are really tense and goes live on Facebook. She's a, she's a brave lady. Uh, they recently made news when they were arrested for painting over de Blasio's giant Black Lives Matter mural outside Trump Tower in Manhattan, then painting over two more in Harlem and Brooklyn. There's a lot to talk about here. So, Bevelyn Beatty, welcome to the main event. Hi, thank you for having me. We're, uh, we're so happy you could pencil this, into your, pencil this into your schedule. I know you're busy. So the first time I saw you was uh, one of your videos last month. You're sitting at a restaurant calling out white conservatives who were afraid to speak out. Uh, against Black Lives Matter, and I think that's more common than people know. Um, you have insight about the history and agenda of Black Lives Matter movement that you want people to understand. Can you tell us more about that? Well, um, really, that video started off with me just feeling like um, white conservatives, uh, they, just, they just feel so bound by their color. And, you know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm white, so I can't say this. Even my white Christian friends will like text me and be like, hey, uh, I'm getting into a debate online and I can't say this. Can I can I can you help me? And I'm like, listen, I'm not your mama. OK, you're grown. Say what you feel like. Well, I don't need to coach you to telling the truth. Tell the truth. Um, and if you're going to say it, own it stand on it. It's just that simple. It's called being grown, you know? And I just feel like a lot of white conservatives believe a lot of what I believe. Even a lot of black people believe what I believe, but they're so intimidated by this cyber bullying that they just feel like, oh, they can't say anything or they may lose their job or this may happen, you know? And I just feel like the hell with that. If it's truth, you need to stand on it. You need to speak it and you need to own it. I agree with that 100%. And people ask me, Hey, aren't you a little worried about business being so out there with your political views? And I said, if your intentions are sound, can't argue with you. And I, and I just believe this is not a, a racist, racist nation. I think we have racial elements to it. I just don't believe that our nation in general is racist. I don't, I don't believe that either. And do I believe there's prejudices in the world uh, and prejudices in uh, New York? Absolutely. I'll tell you one with the police. 
police are prejudiced, but they're prejudiced towards people who they may see that they feel are kind of crazy and out of it or look like criminals. And then they're, you know, a little bit more less prejudiced to those who look a little bit more normal, talk well, carry themselves. I mean, people do it all the time. I'm definitely going to be more reluctant to, to allow someone in my house who has like ripped up clothes. They smell like they've been in the sewer all day. It's just, you know, I'm going to be like, okay, where you been? What's going on? You know, rather than someone in a suit and a tie. I mean, and it really has nothing to do with color is presentation, but it's like everything has to be deemed down to race. You don't like me. It's cause I'm black or you, you, you didn't, you didn't get me my stuff first because, uh, you racist. Like, I mean, it's just, if everything is just cloaked in racism and color, we will never get to the root of the problem and the issue, which is the lack of moral respect for one another and walking in the true foundation of Christ like we're called to. And this is why I'm so against this BLM agenda, because they just they are really setting up this narrative to watch Black people fail. And they're using Black people's emotions to get them to, to fight and to get passionate about absolutely nothing because it's bigger than this little fly in the room, this little racism fly. There's a whole foundation of liberal democratic agenda that's trying to hurt us. Well, Democrat, not democratic, liberal democrat agenda that's trying to hurt our people, Black people, our country, our nation as a whole. And I think, uh, I think, that they they go after race because it it organizes a group together on one one little common thing that may not be that really that might be the only only uh, commonality of all these people in this group but they get it riled up and they and they just amplify it you know a hundred thousand times over people say hey, what are you what are you fighting for hey it's for for people are discriminated against me well what did they do actually is your life really worse since Trump's been in there is your life. You know, it's, it's, I had a conversation with one of my clients yesterday and she said, Hey, I'm a black woman. I'm, I'm vote. I vote Democrat. I said, well, wait, you're, you're a successful black woman. You, you don't have, you don't have any of the things that people are, are complaining about. Why, you know, vote based on what's best for your life and what's best for your kid's life. You don't have to vote a particular way just because you're part of a group of people that are pushing an agenda. You but see it's, that? It's, it's, vir it's virtual signaling. I'm going to be honest with you. Most Black people nowadays only vote Democrat even when they're not living that way and they're really more so living conservative is because they still believe like if I vote Democrat, then, you know, those, those people, they're going to help the Black people because it ain't like they going out there. You know, just because they black don't mean you're going to catch them in these neighborhoods and just singing kumbaya to people. It don't work like that. So they believe, OK, if I vote the Democrats in, they're going to be the ones to go and help the people. And then I can continue moving on with my life. And what we thought to realize is that the more we continue to vote these Democrats in, the worse we see our community. We see our people. We see our youth. And. We're just assuming, okay, if I just keep voting them in, I can focus on myself. I don't have to get involved and then I can go back to my merry way. And it just doesn't work like that. It's time to vote right and also get active and get involved so you can see the truth of what these people are doing to our people. Exactly. You know what? I, I, think, uh, I think Democrats have a big advantage over Republicans because they know how to organize. Yes. And yes. And I just think that, hey, all of us Republicans, we don't want to we don't want to speak out. 
you know, silently where, you know, I talk to people, I'm in California. So uh, talking to people and I'm open about the fact that I'm conservative and go Trump and, and go America and open the place up and uh, let's, let's flourish. And people kind of stand off until they hear me say it and they go, <laughs> then they loosen up. They go, yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. And then we start talking, but people are holding back because they don't want to, they don't want to be out there with how they believe. How do we change that? Well, I feel like if COVID didn't wake you up to the agenda of the Democrat Party, I mean, and how radical they are and what their end, end game is, hopefully this map I show you is going to wake you up. I'm looking at this chart that Bevelin, Bevelin has uh, drawn up and it's a, a chart and the branches, the branches are, are labeled as LGBTQ, Antifa, Planned Parenthood, Black Lives Matter, and feminism. All of these things are branches in an agenda. I'm giving you the game plan of the liberals and what they want. They're utilizing these propaganda branches to push a narrative that our constitution isn't good enough, that America isn't strong enough, that the establishment we have, it's not enough. We need something better. We need something new. We're treated unequally. It's just we need change, right? That's what even Obama pushed it, really. And we didn't realize it. We need mm -hmm. change. All right. But at the stem of these branches is socialism. So they're going to utilize these branches to get to the stem, which is socialism. And right under that, because that's socialism is going to last in America, maybe five, 10 years. People are going to wring this country out left and right. Um, I mean, they're going to just they're going to rob us uh, right in front of our faces. And then I say maybe after five years, once that's shut down, we're going to head to communism. Communism is the trunk and the roots. But right under that, the soil, where the, the foundation of it is Satan rulership, satanic rulership. Why do I say this? Because the reality is it's really not even about color. It's not about your sexuality. It's not about your, 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 your gender. That has really nothing to do with it. These are all ways to distort God's truth so that people can see or think it's a problem. Things are just not right. We need something new. We need change. We need justice. We need something new. And they're going to turn this country into a communist socialist country. And once we are a communist country, America's going to fall and Christians will no longer have the freedoms that they, they have. They will not be able to say the name of Jesus in public. You will not be able to get a Bible in a Walmart and you will be submitted completely to government as your God. So if that doesn't tell you it's vital for you to wake up and smell the coffee, I don't know what will. We are seeing that our country is in a state of an emergency. And if we fall, who's going to save us? Who's going to bail us out? We are on our own. We are the last man standing. So you have to get out. You have to get active. You have to tell the truth. And you have to fight for your country because you're the one who has to live in it. I love that. I love that. I can use you. You put it so perfectly. Uh, you say the number one killer of black Americans is abortion. You have numbers on that to back that up. Can you share? 28 million babies and counting, averaging to about 675,000 babies a year, dead, murdered in the womb. We were at 13% of the population in America. We are now at 12% and declining. We are only reproducing at a 2.5 rate. That means by 2050, 
African-Americans, the descendants of slaves, including me, we really won't exist anymore. This is where we headed because we are killing each other more than we're reproducing. And if we're not murdering each other in the womb, we're killing each other on the block. But there's thousands of black men being murdered due to black on black gang violence and crime every day in these rough neighborhoods. And maybe I think this year alone, only 105 black men were killed. I think, uh, yeah, I think 105, don't quote me on it. Last year, I think it was like 234, 234 black men were killed. But I mean, look at the number of babies aborted. Thousands of black men aborted, but we're screaming and jumping and destroying our country over maybe 200 people, black people that are dying by white cops in Democrat ran cities. And when you know what people don't what people don't understand and people I can hear people listening to these things and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going from 13 to 12. What's the big deal? I saw a video a couple of years ago showing that uh, Americans, um, Americans, the average, the average, average in America, including Hispanics, is we're we're producing a, a 1.75 babies per family uh, today, while the Muslim community is producing eight babies per family. And they show the mathematical impact of that, that it's a mathematical certainty that the Muslims are coming here, they're reproducing, yes. and 18 years from now, we are gonna be the minorities, and it's a mathematical certainty that they will take over this country. And to say, you know, they're worried about, they're worried about climate change, what's gonna happen in nine years or 12 years or 200 years, and how we can affect that, and we can't, in my opinion. Uh, by ourselves, they're not paying attention to that. I mean, it's like, will you just party and watch the ship sink? Are you are you really that much of a coward as a people to just watch Titanic sink, sit at the bar and drink your wine until you go underwater and die? I mean, are you that hopeless? Because for me, that is just so irresponsible to hear numbers like this and not realize this is real. This is a state of an emergency, even for America, because let's be real. White America is not even reproducing like they're supposed to be reproducing. Exactly. We exactly. in trouble. I, I'm trying to encourage my kids to have more kids. Listen, uh, I just need I just need a husband. That's all I need. Once I get married, honey, it's a free for all. I want to reproduce. <laughs> let's just start popping them out, baby. I don't care. Let's just, just get them out. See, you need to put that on your Facebook Live. You're going to have a whole bunch of applicants. Oh, man. <laughs> People are attracted. People are attracted to to people with brains. So before it finally shut down, you went to the Chop Zone, which is the uh, Capitol Hill organized protest, formerly known as CHAZ, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. A bunch of whacked out kids in Seattle. I want to play for our audience what you said to people that you met there, and then you can tell us how your message was received. I know people don't like Trump. I understand that. But let me tell you something. If I had to pick between him and Joe Biden, I'm not voting for Joe Biden. You want to see you want to see a bunch of black people go to jail by the next four years? Put Joe Biden. Watch what happens. These Democrats, these are the same people who have fought to put slavery in. These are the same people who built the KKK. These are the same people who hated us from the beginning. The Republican Party is the party of the blacks. But yet these people are hijacking our movement and the Democratic Party. They're trying to hijack us. How was that received? Well, believe it or not, though that first of all, most of those who were walk, who walked up on us, they came to argue. 
They wanted us to leave Chad. And when we just started to bulldoze them with the red pill, red pill and really we started with the gospel. They came at us because they, they, they wanted us to stop preaching. They wanted us to leave. This is a Black Lives Matter zone. This has nothing to do with Jesus. And so once we hit them there, we cut them. And then by that time, ground was broken up, ready to drop the seed. And we just hit them with facts of American history that they did not know. A lot of people do not know that the Democrats are the same ones who fought to keep us enslaved. And all they did was transition to the North. I even explained how they transitioned. Most people don't even understand how the Union won. They won because they had trains. People don't understand that in the South, it was slower because people, it was slavery. People were using people to reproduce. So, of course, it was going to be slower in the South. As to where in the North, we realized, okay, we don't want to have slaves. So, you know what? Let's make machines. Let's build. And, of course, machines are going to outwork a human being by any means necessary, right? Obviously. And so it's just like once people started to hear this truth and recognize, oh, this makes perfect sense, um, they received. A lot of them received. Um, that woman, she actually, a lot of people kind of ragged her, but th- what they don't realize is that she really came to me genuine and she really wanted to know, like, what's next? What are we going to do? Because who do we vote for? And what I was breaking down to her was, listen, if I was in your position and I listened to the fake news that you listen to, I probably wouldn't want to vote for Trump either. And I understand people don't like Trump, but listen to the history of the Republican Party and listen to the history of the Democrat Party. And then you make your decision based off of you standing in Chaz as a political statement because you swear up and down you care so much about Black Lives Matter. The way you vote is going to really determine that. People don't realize that the Black Lives Matter movement isn't even about Black Lives. No, it has nothing to do with it. They're Marxists. Yeah, the, the you go on to Black Lives Matter, click donate, and it goes to actblue.org. And it's yep. all about all about the Democrat Party. It has nothing to do with Black Lives. No, those black folk will never see none of that money. You are not going to get that a, a nice little check in the mail like you did with Trump. It's not happening. They're going to take that money. They're going to use it to promote themselves. And then they're going to throw you the middle finger and destroy this country. Exactly. My feelings. Exactly. So this led this led uh, up to you and your team painting over a giant Black Lives Matter murals all over New York, New York City, resulting in your arrest. Tell us about that. Yes. Well, um, we just we just decided, you know what, we're going to fight back. Like I said, that mural or mural, it was a middle finger to America. It was definitely a middle finger to God. And it was definitely a middle finger to Trump. It just was like, listen, we don't care about you. We don't care what you guys are going to do. We're going to use black people to destroy you. That's what they. That's what that symbol represented. And me and Edmay knew that. And we realized, okay, these Democrats, they're playing dirty. First of all, the mural is illegal. It really shouldn't even be there. But Mayor de Blasio is utilizing his authority and the fact that uh, New York is ran by Democrats through and through, that he just felt like he could do whatever he want. So since you feel like you could do whatever you want as the leadership, uh, me being in New York, I feel like I could do whatever I want. And I can paint over that disgusting vandalism and put the street back black like it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, uh, I, I said the same thing. How is that legal for them to go out and paint that? And they did it in front of the White House. And, you know, why, why is that legal, but painting over it wasn't legal? I mean, it's just, it's so disrespectful. And these Dems are not playing fair no more. 
They playing dirty. Yet Republicans and conservatives are still talking about that's not how we win. Just go and vote. Oh, okay. Keep keep singing that same song if you want to. Stop. First of all, Democrats know how to get out and get active. They know how to activate. They know how to, to, to make a voice known. And that's why the media is pushing their narrative even harder because they're the ones out there making their voice known. I wonder when the conservatives are going to realize until you get out there, get active and make your voice known, those Dems are going to drown us. You have some thoughts on the COVID hypocrisy too, which led to you getting arrested in Florida. Yes, COVID also led to me getting arrested in New York in front of the Planned Parenthood. Uh, because they are pushing this COVID narrative to test the waters and they're trying to figure out how they can manipulate something to strip away our freedoms. First of all, the numbers are way down. Let's be very clear. But yet they're still pushing this thing because COVID is political. All of a sudden, now you remember the Black Lives Matter rallies that was happening, the riots, all of that. Nobody talked about COVID. COVID wasn't even a factor. Right after that, as soon as they arrested Epstein's mistress, all of a sudden COVID is back up. You would have thought it just broke all of a sudden. Now they're mandating masks in stores. They're mandating them on the airplane. And I believe a lot of businesses are going for it because they don't want to shut down like they did last time. But at the same time, they're basically telling you, if you don't wear this mask, whether you're sick or not, uh, whether you've been affected by this thing or not, if you don't wear it, we can't, we're not going to service you. You're not going to be able to fly on our planes. We're not going to be able to help you. And that's it. They are prepping you to submit to communism, because if you will easily just give up your freedom, something as simple as a piece of paper, it's only a matter of time before you will accept a vaccine and then you'll accept a chip. And my thing is this, if the mask works for you, why do I need to wear it? If you have it on and you're trying to protect yourself, you wear it. There you go. Why do you need to make me wear it so that you can feel safe? That don't make sense. Worry about yourself. You're talking right out of my brain. So what's your, what's your rallying cry right now? What do you hope people will start doing? I hope people will start coming out. I hope people will start getting active. And I hope people will stop judging me and start doing. And in a sense, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care about the judgment. But you know what? I feel like if you can do it better, then how about you get your butt up and do it? I would prefer you think, okay, I can do it better than her. She's a little too aggressive for my taste. And then you get out and get active because at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about getting the job done. We are called to go out and minister the gospel and disciple and stand for truth and destroy the works of the devil. And we need to fight for our country because a device of the devil is the Democrat party and communism and socialism. So just get out, get active and pray for me. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for uh, everybody who's on who's on the train with you and with me. And uh, every every week, I tell people, hey, if I'm if I if you listen to me every week, and you and you send me emails and and messages that hey, I love the way you think. If that's where it stops, I'm just I'm just wasting my time. We have mm-hmm. to we have to amplify that voice, and we all have to get out there because the whole media is doing the same thing for the Democrats and spreading their message. We don't have anybody doing it unless we do it ourselves. Amen. I agree. How can people, how can people follow you? Well, I am on Twitter at Bevelyn Z Beatty. Uh, my official Twitter is Bevelyn Z Beatty. You can also find me on Facebook, Parler, Instagram, and YouTube at Bevelyn Beatty.
And my website uh, is at wellministries.org. Again, that is at wellministries.org. If you have prayer requests, uh, if you um, need to make a phone call, most of the time I would prefer you email us. If you even have booking requests, if you want us to come on your show, just email us. We'll forward it over to Jackie and she'll get it set up. Bevlin, thank you for, uh, for coming on our show. Thank you for what you're doing for this country and keep up the fight. We're behind you 100%. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Hey, Bevelyn Beatty is spelled B-E-V-E-L-Y-N-B-E-A-T-Y. So if you Google her, you also go to the, the main event Facebook page and we'll put all her contact information, how you can follow her, how you can watch her, how you can get her on Facebook and Instagram and all those other social media stuff. Uh, looking forward to maybe having her back to go on to stuff we didn't have time to talk about. Um, you know what? Uh, we have to we have to keep this this movement alive. We have to actually step out and talk. I talked to one of my one of my clients the other day who said she goes, you know, we're talking about talking about some of the things that were in uh, in uh, conclusion after we closed escrow on her house and she's trying to finance a car. And I said, you know what? I said, I said something about whether the Democrats keep keeping us shut up. And she goes, how did I know you were a Republican? And I said, because number one, I'm intelligent. And number two, I helped you. Two things that Democrats don't do. They're not intelligent, or maybe they're too intelligent. They're criminally intelligent. And they don't help you. I helped you. I said, it's time for you to stop. She goes, well, I'm a black woman. I said, you're a black woman, but you're, you make good money. You've got good credit. You own a home now. It's time for you to start voting what's best for you and what's best for your two kids that depend on you to make sure they have a country to grow up in. Folks, I'm all out of time for the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1026588, Arizona NLO license number 0926439, branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.